If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. We'll begin there in just a few minutes. Well, summer, school is out, and summer's in full swing. And uh, I know our kids are excited, and uh, this week starts uh, a week of camp at Camp Deer Run, and I know we have some that will be headed that way this morning after our services, some maybe dropping kids off for the first time, and so you might want to pray for the parents this week and, and those that will be sending their kids off to summer camp for the first time. And, uh, but it, it's a great time, just as summer is just a wonderful time to, to relax and to, to get away some for vacation and to, to see family and friends. I know some have been traveling this week just, uh, with graduations going on. And so to all of our graduates and those that have graduating seniors, we congratulate all of you and we're proud of their accomplishments. Uh, also, this summer on Wednesday nights, I want to encourage you uh, to be here uh, as our vision team has planned uh, the summer and they will be speaking and encouraging us and lifting us up about our vision. I know this, this coming Wednesday night we'll meet here in the auditorium and Stephen Gerald and Clint Spencer uh, will talk to us on the theme of restoring all things. And so I encourage you to be here for that time uh, to be encouraged and to, to learn more about our vision, to learn more about things that are happening within the vision. And uh, just a few weeks ago was proof that our vision is at work, that God is at work as we worshiped with our Hispanics and help them uh, find that new home. Isn't it a great place for them to worship, a great place for them to call home? Uh, we had a great evening uh, that night and a great meal, and uh, they're just doing a great job. And one of the goals that we had been praying for within that vision was to help our Hispanics find a church home and to transition to that and so we are, we are so glad that God answered that prayer and so many people in this church uh, helped uh, make that happen and so we're excited about that. Continue to keep them in your prayers. Last weekend, uh, Marcelino and our Hispanics had a gospel meeting. They had over 200 uh, that attended from the area and so they packed their building and so many people that came from out of town uh, told the Hispanic church how grateful they were for their new facility and how nice it was. And so it's just a, that building will be used as a tool uh, to reach out to many people, and uh, we are thankful for that. This morning we continue our series on the seven I Am statements that Jesus made throughout the Gospel of John. Now I want to remind you up to this point what we have looked at. The first I am statement that we saw came from John chapter 6, uh, there about verse 25 and uh, some other verses that go there, actually verse 35, uh, where he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And then over in John chapter 8, he makes the second declaration as he speaks and as he says 
this grand teaching, this grand declaration where he declares that I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life and there in chapter 9 verse 5 he says while I am in the world I am the light of the world and then if you turn the page over in John chapter 10 he makes the third declaration where he says I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep then verse 14 I am the good shepherd I know my sheep and my sheep know me when you look thus far at those declarations when you look at those statements that Jesus is speaking what we find in those we find something about his nature we find something about the character of Jesus which tells me if it's something about his character it's something that we need to know more about because we need to take on every day more of the character of Jesus amen we need to learn to be more Christ-like in our conversations and so these statements that he speaks helps us understand who he is and who is and what he's about now if you look at the end of John's gospel in John chapter 20 verse 31 this is a summary statement that helps us realize that all through John's gospel as he's uh, delivering these signs or these miracles the purpose of that is seen in John chapter 20 verse 31 these are written talking about all the stories all all the things up to that point John says these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God and that by believing you may have what's the word life in his name so when you turn to John chapter 11 one of the things that we come to now we begin to realize this is a pivotal point in John's gospel because it contains some of the the final action on Jesus's part to set the stage for his arrest and his crucifixion if you notice in John chapter 11 following the story that we're gonna look at today of Lazarus the plot to kill Jesus begins in verse 45 but prior to that Jesus receives word from Martha that her brother Lazarus is not only sick but he is near the point of death and she said I need you to desperately come and heal my brother as soon as you can and so we see that at the very beginning in John chapter 11 now if you go back to Luke chapter 10 we see a little bit more information in Luke's gospel about Mary and Martha you remember Jesus had stayed in their home remember Martha was the one that's doing all the work she's in and out of the kitchen entertaining guests and all that time what is Mary doing she is sitting at the feet of Jesus you have Martha busy preparing and being the host right and you have 
the other sister, Mary, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, it goes without saying these sisters had some words about that, okay? We'll talk more about that in a minute, but I want to remind you uh, of, of the sisters. and they, they live in the village of Bethany, which is two miles outside of Jerusalem, uh, either right there close or by their brother. Uh, and he's also a special friend of Jesus and his disciples, and he's described in verse 3 as the one that you love. And so look in chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. He's from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, at that moment, with what's going on in their minds with their loved one, and their brother, they really have no clue what Jesus is saying here, okay? Because to them, he's sick. We need you to come as fast as you can to heal him because the word had spread that when you were sick and you needed to be healed of any disease, what did you do and where did you go? You would find Jesus and you would get as close to him as you could, sometimes even if he could just touch your cloak or if he could just be there by you, you wanted to surround yourself in his presence. Well, if you know the rest of the story, you remember Jesus doesn't immediately go to Lazarus' bedside in spite of the fact that he loves Lazarus. Even in verse 5, it says... Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Church, let me remind you of something. Jesus is always about being on the timetable with his Father. Okay? So, in God's mind, and this message is sent to Jesus, the time for you to go to Lazarus is not right now. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there in your life where you want something and you desperately need something in a spiritual sense and you want Jesus to be there? You want Jesus to deliver that? You even want Jesus to answer that prayer when? Right now. We are people of right now, aren't we? I mean, we go through a line at a fast food restaurant, and if there's a line, what's our thinking? I'll just go somewhere else. I'll just try to find a place where the line's not as long because I'm hungry and I want my food when? Right now. We are people of right now. What do you do in a spiritual sense when you come up to something and you've prayed and you've asked God for it and you need it delivered yesterday, but that timing and that prayer hasn't been answered, what do you do then? 
This is where Mary and Martha are finding themselves at the beginning of the story. But what we're going to see in a minute is God's timing is always right, isn't it? God's timing is always perfect. Now, what do you do if God answers my prayer and it's not necessarily the prayer being answered that I want to hear? Now, let's be honest. The human side of us kicks in and what do we do? Oh my goodness. Sometimes that oh my goodness becomes doubt and it becomes weariness and it becomes hopelessness only to realize at some point and maybe you're still waiting to see this God can take any situation and he can turn it to his good amen even when the circumstance or the event may not turn out the way we want it to and all of us that are here this morning we can testify to times in our life where God didn't answer the prayer the way we wanted him to but maybe he answered it the way that he needed to and there's a big difference it's a test of faith because when that time is there we grow weary we grow hard in our heart of what will I do and what will that look like every Wednesday night Keith Bowman and myself we sit around a circle of about 25 to 30 people a lot from this community who are grieving who are hurting and they're hurting because they've suffered a loss or they've gone through a very difficult moment in their life I mean literally life has been stripped from them and it's as almost as if their heart has been ripped away from them and every week we sit there and we talk and we pray and we look at scripture and we even talk amongst ourselves about how we feel about that and what that does is it brings healing to our bodies in a physical sense because it just wipes us out but as we sit around that circle and as we realize that God may not have answered a prayer the way we wanted it to come out I wish you could hear the stories of how blessings have come with these families in spite of difficult times God is good even when it doesn't come out the way we want it to God is still good and sometimes it takes a while to be able to say that or to believe it because a lot of times let's face it church do we ever get angry with God it's okay to say yes it's biblical to be angry with God if you look through the Psalms of Psalms of lament you see David and others there that are crying out to God and that are lifting and pouring out their heart and their soul and their spirit 
to God. And so what God does, yes, he's the God of all comfort. He's the God who's always there for us. He invites us to pour our sorrow out amongst him. Pour it out to him. And so as this story continues, I want you to look down in verse 11. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and I'm going there to wake him up. Now his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may, what's the word? Believe. So wait a minute. You mean it's possible that the delay in the timing of Jesus was so that we might believe? Again, may not like that, may not understand it, but again, what is Jesus saying to us? It's for you to believe. And like John says at the end of his gospel, all these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that you can have a strong faith in him. So I venture to say this morning, the disciples needed this lesson. Mary and Martha needed it. I would even venture to say that you and I need it a lot of times in our own walk with him as well. And so in verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Keep in mind, Bethany's less than two miles from Jerusalem, and so many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Mary heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. In verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Now, when the sisters say that, I'm not so sure that it was a, a doubt thing as much as it's just, this is on my heart and I've got to get it out. I don't think she's saying, I don't believe in you. I think it's just a matter of the if only. Do we, do we not play that game when difficult things happen? If only I had have done this. Or if only that. And we fill in the blank. Do we, do we do that? Yes, we do it a lot. We even see here that Mary and Martha are starting to say that as well. But then, look at what Jesus says in verse 23. Your brother will rise again now Martha's probably thinking you know this is this is just what Jesus is saying this is just what those you know one of those typical phrases that we say at the time of someone's passing right no 
it was a lot deeper than that. And what Jesus meant was, your brother will rise today. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day, but Martha believed Lazarus would rise again at the day of resurrection, but she had no clue that Jesus meant that she would see that glory right now. And what she's beginning to realize now as Jesus is making this fifth declaration in verse 25 and verse 26, what she's beginning to realize is, oh my goodness, I am standing in front of the glory right now. I am standing in front of the one who can make it possible to have resurrection and to have life. And so in verse 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And I love this question. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Questions not, do you understand it? A lot of us may say, I have no clue what that means. Do you realize it, it's possible to not have a clue what something means, and yet you can still believe in it? And you're saying, preacher, that makes no sense. Yes, it makes perfect sense, because that's faith. Okay? That is faith. I can't see it, I can't talk about it really because I don't understand it, but I can believe it, absolutely. And so as he declares that great statement that I'm the resurrection and the life, and even though you die, you live, do you believe this? You see here, Jesus doesn't just say that he gives resurrection and life. He says, I am the resurrection and life. Big difference. And so what happens here is Jesus is prompting Martha to respond to what he's just said. And her response shows that she may not understand it completely, but she fully believes that Jesus is the Son of God. She's, begin, she's beginning to come full circle from what we saw at the beginning of the story, isn't she? And do you see at this point, would, wouldn't you say that her faith is growing? Wouldn't you say that her faith is being stretched? Again, may not understand the timing of all of it, may not even agree with the timing of all of it, but she's beginning to see that her faith is being transformed because she's looking right in the eyes of resurrection and life as Jesus says that to her. What you and I are called to do is to believe in that even though we can't see it. To believe in that, even though it's just kind of out there. 
You know, as Christians, as you read a passage like this, it's in our heart, isn't it? It's in our spirit that God loves me so much that he's going to stay with me even at the point of death. He's not going to leave me. And does that not remind us and tell us and encourage us that we need to count every day as a special day of living? That we need to count every day and make the most of every opportunity? We do that. And as you continue to see this passage, I want you to look down in verse 35. Let's read this verse together. Jesus wept. Now I know, one of the shortest verses in the Bible, you're probably thinking, why can't you just preach on that one verse some Sunday? Oh, I could, but I'm still going to spend 30 minutes on it, right? Jesus wept. And look at the next. The Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb, a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. It was Jewish customs that when somebody died, you did, you did the burial the same day. You didn't wait a couple of days like, like you see us waiting uh, today, you do it immediately. And so, that's right, there, there is going to be an odor. But go back to where Jesus is weeping. Is he really weeping over Lazarus? I don't think so. I think he's weeping at all of those surrounding him that do not believe. And he weeps over it. So I wonder this morning, does he weep with us at our unbelief? Does he weep at the unbelief of the generation now and the generations to come? God is a God of comfort. He's a God of healing He's a God who weeps when his children will not believe. Is that not a testimony and a fact that we still have work to do? In our vision, we talk about God being a God of restoration, a God to restore all things. Is that not a work that God still wants us to be a part of? Because think about it. We still have a lot of people in this community, a lot of people in this world that are lost, a lot of people that are broken, a lot of people that are hurting. They need the powerful touch of God's restoration. They need to be able to realize that God's not through with them yet, that God still has a plan for their life. And so, yes, 
we still believe that God is a God who restores all things. And so even at a time of someone's death, as we see here, God's son is weeping at the unbelief that he sees all around him. Which tells me, maybe we need to be weeping as well. Which tells me a lot of the things that we think are important aren't when it comes to just making sure that one more person comes to believe in Jesus. Amen? This is a story that really wakes you up. And I love what happens next as they move the stone, which is an act of faith, and Jesus cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let them go. I love that because as he's praying here, it's, it's not a petition prayer as much as it's a conversation between Jesus and the Father. And it's a conversation that continues and we get to see into the heart of it. We get to see into the heart of what really drives our Creator. And as I look at this passage and as I look at how it ends, I can't help but think to myself, aren't we glad that God doesn't give up on us? And aren't we glad that God doesn't always respond the way that we think He will? It's an act of faith. It's a test of faith. But I ask you this morning, do you think that your problems are just too far gone for Jesus? How you answer that will say a lot. Because all of us in this room, we sin, we have struggles. We have a lot of them, don't we? And sometimes it's easy to think, I'm done. There's no hope. That's exactly what Satan wants you to believe. Remember, he's the thief that came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I'm the one that gives you life. The meaning there is the absolute fullness of life. And in that life is when he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. And even though you die, you really live. And so what we have to look forward to is just like the song we sung just a moment ago. Sing to me of heaven. That's our home. 
And as morbid as you may think it sounds, we really need to start thinking about that now. Friday afternoon, I sat in the living room with a family, a lady who I've known for many years. She's known me all my life. She's about to die. And I asked her a few weeks ago, I said, next time we visit, I, I want to ask you if you're okay with us planning your funeral together. And she looked at me and she said, I would love for us to do that. I said, I'd rather talk to you about it now than just the family and I talk about it later. So we did that. And we talked about everything you can imagine. And I told her, I said, I'm going to be preaching Sunday on a story from John chapter 11. And her eyes kind of got big. And she said, about Lazarus? I said, yes. You got to keep in mind, when I started talking to her about scriptures that really mean a lot to her in her life, she started just quoting those scriptures just one after another. And as she was doing that, her eyes were closed like this, and she was just looking up. Beautiful, beautiful scene. I'm trying to hold the tears back, and I'm writing and listening all at the same time. And she said, you know, Patrick, she said, when I found out two years ago that I have terminal cancer, she said, I didn't like that news. I didn't want to hear that. But she said, I'm okay. Because she said, I've lived every day of my life trying to do what's right in the sight of God. And she said, and I know at that point that's all I can do. At this point, her daughter's just really crying touched I asked her I said are you afraid to die she said not at all I'm ready I asked her if I could share some of that today and she said absolutely and she said we need to be people of faith and we need to live it out and we need to share it and I told her before I left, I said, I'm going to come back next week. And if you die between now and then, it's going to be okay, isn't it? She said, absolutely. But I said, but, but keep this in mind. You need to go out and you need to live every day just like I strive to live one day at a time. And not worry about when it's going to come. Because we don't know that. But we do know this. God's timing is always right. And when he comes, it's going to be a great day. Because that's our reward. And it's all made possible because Jesus made that declaration, I am the resurrection and the life.
So I ask you this morning, just like he asked the sisters that day, do you believe this? Think about that. And if there's anything that we can do for you this morning to help you draw closer, we want to do that. We ask you to come right now as we stand.